Hello and welcome to The Coordinate, an Attack on Titan podcast. I'm your host for the day, Tyler, um, and today we're going to be talking about Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 68. And yeah, so this is a much slower paced episode than what we've gotten used to the past couple of weeks with all the huge like Titan fights where we essentially had like all nine Titans in one place. I uh, just going at it but you know it's good like we're 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 back on the island and we're just kind of easing into things into like you know this episode doesn't really push the story along much but i think it gives us the breathing room we need that's what i think uh bill texted me immediately after watching the episode and said oh boy this was a shit one so (laughs) I I don't think it was shit, though. I I think it's a pretty good episode. Um, So this whole episode is basically constructed. My cats are making a lot of noise in another room. Sorry, I got to go see what that is. That was just Clary playing with a toy. Uh, no, nothing too much to worry about. But yeah, so this episode's like basically constructed as Armin is filling in Annie, who's still in her crystal, um, about what's happened the past couple of years, like three, I think it says three years specifically. But, you know, the last three or four years. And it's super cool that we get to see Annie again, um, sort of. I mean, <laughs> she's in her crystal, not really doing much, and... Yeah, she's been there a while. Um, I don't know if we see her in this state at all in the second season, but, you know, if we do, we, if we don't, we haven't seen her since like, you know, 2013 in the anime. So that's pretty wild. Uh, So the first thing that really happens is we get introduced to our brave volunteers. Uh, Fucking cats. Uh, So the first thing that really happens is we get introduced to our brave volunteers from Marley. And so, well, I guess before that, we get introduced to uh, some people who were not very brave and or not volunteers because we see um, we see Aaron carry a scout ship aboard and then they use that to like lure over more scout ships and then Armin just like nukes them. So that's pretty cool. Like we don't get much action in this episode other than that. But those are really cool scenes. Uh, I really like seeing... Aaron lift the ship on his shoulder. He he, he is a strong boy. And Armin, you know, in his, his colossal titan form still looks depressed. Um, yeah, that sucks for him. But uh, So back to our brave volunteers. We get introduced sort of for the first time. We've seen two of them before. But sort of introduced to two of them for the first time. Yeah. Because we've seen them before, but... In order of events, this is the first time they've shown up. <laughs> so we get uh, Yolana and um, God, I I don't know how to say his name. On Reddit, they call him Onion Coupon. Oncomon uh, is how I say it in my head while reading, but that that can't be right. Oh, hey Bill, I feel like you probably have like a cool British way to say like coupon. 
um, would that be? Um, I don't want to call him Onion Coupon, but I also want to call Yolanda, um, Yolanda. Uh, so yeah, we get introduced to them for the first time. And then we also get, uh, Niccolo, Niccolo, Niccolo. Yeah. I'm going to say all their names wrong. Apparently. I don't know. It's fine. Um, so Yolanda, uh, we saw her before she is, she had a fake beard on and she's the one that drew peak and uh porco into the trap and so yeah she is i guess she's an interesting character people seem to like her but she's never really done it for me in the manga so i really hope that i see what other people have seen in her and find her interesting in the manga i mean the anime um and that's happened to me before i i didn't really care much about uh commander magath or really even falco or gabby but I like them a lot more having seen the anime. So she is a follower of Zeke. Uh, That's interesting because I don't really, I don't know. Like Zeke, from what we know from his past as a kid, he turned in his father for being an Eldian restorationist. And that really kind of set our story in motion a good bit because without him doing that, um, you know, his dad would have never went to the wall and he would have, Aaron would have never been born, so then we wouldn't have our main character. But yeah, I don't really, I'm curious if we get to see more in the anime as for why she decided to follow Zeke, because yeah, I just, I, I don't really get it. Like, he's, he's clearly scheming, but he also kind of seems to be a puppet of Marley. She's probably just a furry, right? Like, he a big sexy monkey. If you ended that. So anyways, she has a secret plan of Zeke's that, um, you know, she reveals to our scout regiment and then eventually to the wider military. So Zeke wants to use Aaron's founding Titan powers with his royal blood to activate the rumbling, which is what our good old friend Willie was afraid of to begin with. Um, so he wants to do that in order to restore the Eldian Empire is what he says. But again, that sounds fishy to me. And so at this point, uh, there's like a cool conference with all the heads of the military. Historia is there. And, uh, you know, they're all questioning it. And Aaron speaks up and he's like, no, this, this makes sense. Like we have, it's what else can we do? We're like, we, we don't have the weapons to compete with the rest of the world. They want to destroy us. They see us as monsters. And he confirms that the one time he was able to use the power of the founding Titan was when he punched that Titan who ate his mom, who he also learned was his dad's ex-wife, who is Zeke's mom. And, you know, she had royal blood, so him touching her did that. And the reason he didn't speak up before is because he was worried that they were going to make Historia turn into a Titan so he could touch her and use the founding Titan powers. So let's back things up. Let's go back to Onion Coupon. <laughs> um, he's fine. We see him piloting the airship in the uh, previous episodes. And yeah, he's he's not a bad character. But again, he's not one that really has stood out to me in the manga and i'm hoping he does more for me in the anime uh we get that one scene where um <laughs> uh sasha asks why he has dark skin or something that to that effect and i mean 
I, I, I guess inside the wall, like the only non just like white person is Mikasa. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty reasonable question. Uh, it's funny that Sasha asked it. I could also, I feel like they could have also fit, uh, Coney's personality because he is the dumb one, but I guess Sasha is more like brash and like, like socially dumb in that way. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of interesting that this happens after Sasha's dead. It's a little bit like Isayama, like rubbing her face and being racist, which, you know, again, she doesn't understand what race is. So I don't think she could be racist. Um, And so talking about Sasha, I guess that brings us to our third brave volunteer, Nicola, who is a Marley chef, I guess. Um, Maybe I wasn't paying attention very well, but was he just a chef on the ship and they kept him because he could cook well? Um, Anyways, so him and Sasha developed like some kind of relationship. We don't exactly know the extent to it, but it seemed like they could have had romantic feelings for each other. But it's all based on the fact that he loves to cook and she loves to eat. We see her destroying some lobster, which is cool. Um, yeah, and then we see him later at her gravesite with, you know, all of Sasha's friends from the scout troops there. And he is obviously very sad and just like can't understand like how this could happen like and then he runs into Sasha's family there invites them to eat at like his restaurant or whatever Sasha's dad ensures that you know he's not gonna have to pay the tab he's like this is on the house right um and one thing to note is that with Sasha's mom and dad they have a little girl with them and it is the girl that Sasha saved way back in the first season so that's cool They, like, adopted her because her mom got eaten. And I think everyone else in her village. So, what else happens in this episode? Uh, we already talked about Zeke's plan. But we get to see what Zeke's up to now. And he is being moved to the big forest. That big titan forest where, um, Levi and, like, his new squad of, like, elite soldiers can really keep an eye on him. He's, you know, they can use their ODM gear and the trees and, yeah. Oh, I guess one thing to point out is that we have confirmation that they have killed all of the Titans outside the wall. Uh, That comes up when uh, Yelana is talking to Hanji and Levi about um, uh, she's going over like the modern world tech, like telling them about the outside world and about what Marley has done to them as far as like stealing their people, well, like conquering their people and making them join the military. And what was I talking about? I'm sorry. My cat distracted me. He's like picking at something on the floor and it was annoying. Oh yeah. Zeke in the forest. So yeah, it came up that they killed all the Titans because they're like, Hey, if we're all the way out here, that must mean that you're not very worried about those Titans. And she mentions that, The Titans were initially put there to like keep the people in the wall within the wall. But then they also ended up protecting them because people from Marley could not get to the wall. But then like three kids got there. So how hard could it have been really? I know they had Titan powers, but is that really all that happened this episode? I feel like I'm missing something. Um, Yeah, I guess that's it. Like we get to the end of the episode 
and Armin's like wrapping up his story and we see that oh it's Annie oh my god it's Annie oh oh my god it's Annie which is cool but you know it's Annie that's cool they they, they could have showed us that at the beginning and it would have still been cool um and then I believe we have Mikasa being like at Sasha's grave talking about like having to fight and then Aaron's looking in the mirror doing his hair into a man bun shirtless eight pack showing and he's like banging his chest and saying fight fight and this is where i have a question for you bill do you think aaron is sexy now people love aaron with like the man bun like they they weren't crazy about hobo aaron uh but man bun aaron is where it's at and in the manga i kind of see it in this scene i guess but uh, to me in this scene his eyes are like dead and he just looks kind of gross like he looks like he needs to wash but i think he is in prison at the moment i'm pretty sure they have him he's once again you know in in some kind of military prison being held look at how many times this has happened to aaron i think it happens like two or three times in the first season He's constantly being in chains, which I guess one of Aaron's big things is, you know, freedom. So seeing him physically represented in chains, that makes sense. Yeah, Bill. So I would like you to, every time we see Aaron go through some kind of like clothes change, like just some kind of design change, I want you to let me know if he is sexy, unless he's below 18 in that scene. You don't have to let me know if like child Aaron is sexy maybe for our yeah for our friendship don't let me know if you think child Aaron is sexy bill but yeah that's all i got for you this week um i feel like i probably forgot to talk about some stuff i normally like have time to like write out my thoughts and like really think what my thoughts are gonna be but uh i'm recording this like four hours before it comes out and it comes out at 5 a.m so and i have to go to work so i'm just I'm, i'm doing the best i can my kid would not go to sleep tonight um a new chapter of the manga just came out and i was going to give you my thoughts on that after this like musical bit but i have not really had time to process my thoughts on that so you know i might tack on something to the end of bill's episode next week or you know maybe i'll do something at the end of my episode the following week i I don't really know Ooh, next next week bill gets to talk about episode 69 he'll like that He'll definitely have a 69 joke for you. A good one. He's not just going to say nice a lot during that episode. It's going to be something quality. Um, But yeah, that's it. So, you know, until next week, do not get eaten if you can avoid it. I don't know why I said it that way. I'm weird. Just don't get eaten. Podcasters, calling all podcasters. 
we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special bulletin. This is Raymond Burr reporting live from the We Can Make This Work, probably podcast network, regarding the latest season of Podcasts Assemble. We are receiving reports of, well, what can only be described as a gigantic ape rampaging through the streets of New York City, and, and I'm being told it is now scaling the Empire State Building. Preposterous! Wait. No, wait, this just in. According to our overseas correspondence, there's been a confirmed sighting of a massive reptilian creature off the coast of Japan. Scientists are speculating this could be the very same species that first wreaked havoc on Tokyo back in 1954. Oh, the humanity. If you have any information regarding these two Goliath monsters or their film franchises, please record on your dictaphone and post or telegraph your audio transmission to us at probablywork.com. Over the next several weeks, we will be reviewing some of the biggest films in kaiju cinema. 1933's classic King Kong, the original Godzilla from 1954, the controversial 1998's Godzilla, Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong, as well as the legendary pictures movies Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla King of the Monsters, leading up to this year's release of Godzilla vs. Kong on March 26, 2021. Please, please hurry. Time is running out. We've just been told that the mayor is evacuating the city and the president dispatching military forces. It appears that the monster known as Gojira is now making his way to shore and... Oh, I I don't know how to describe what I'm looking at, dear listeners. But this dinosaur-like creature is actually approaching what the tabloids have dubbed Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. The... The gorilla is snaring its teeth and banging on its chest in what seems to be, I don't know, a show of strength defending this territory. They appear to be squaring off. Oh, oh yeah. Jeez, this is it, people. The battle of the century. It's Godzilla versus Kong. A fire-breathing lizard takes on the giant angry ape. In this, a no-holds-barred clash between the king of the monsters and the titan of Skull Island. Who will come out on top? Why are they fighting? How did that monkey get so big? Will we survive to find out? Find out on the latest season of Podcasters Symbol, Kongzillathon! This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.